Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes North America. This episode, Pardes from Jerusalem, features Rabbanit Nechama Goldman Beresh and Parashat Bereshit. Be sure to visit us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem or by visiting our website, elmod.pardes.org. And now, here is Rabbanit Nechama Goldman Beresh. Vayomer Elohim na'asa adam b'tzalmenu kidmutenu v'yerdu b'digat hayam uv'of ha'shamayim uv'abhima uv'chol ha'aretz uv'chol ha'romes ha'romes al ha'aretz. Et ha'adam b'tzalmo b'tzalem Elohim bara uto v'yivra Elohim zachar u'nekeva bara otam. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. They shall rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the cattle, the whole earth, and all the creeping things that creep on earth. And God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Who is God addressing in these verses? The plural says, the text says, let us make man. So who is God speaking to? It is also noteworthy that when God creates humans in the end, it is in the singular, and God created in his image. There are a series of Midrashim that appear in chapter 8 of Genesis Rabbah, in which the creation of humans is addressed. What is powerful about this series is the wonderment with which the rabbis perceive human creation and all of its flaws, and essentially question why God would create such a flawed creature. Let us take a look at some of the Midrashim. In number three, the Midrash goes as follows. And God said, let us make man. With whom did he take counsel? Asked the Midrash. And here the Midrash brings four different Amoraim, focusing on the question of who God took counsel with. And really, they can be grouped into two sections. Let's see. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi said, he took counsel with the works of heaven and earth, like a king who had two advisors without whose knowledge he did nothing whatsoever. Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachman said he took counsel with the works of each day, like a king who had an associate, without whose knowledge he did nothing. So Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Shmuel used the creations that came before God's decision to create Adam. Rabbi Yoshua focuses on heaven and earth, certainly reminiscent of the Torah portion Ha'azinu, where Moshe turns to the heaven and earth as witnesses of the covenant between God and B'nai Yisrael. Heaven and earth are also among the first acts of creation. And so Joshua says the advisors to the king are heaven and earth. Rabbi Shmuel broadens this to the work of each day. Here the king only has one associate, not two. There is the king and the associate, God and the world he has created, without which he will do nothing, or so the Midrash suggests. In these metaphors, God consults with the other creations that have come before this enormous decision to create Adam. They have become God's associates or advisors and are worthy of consultation. I would go further and suggest that the impact humans will have for good and for bad on everything that came before translates into the necessity of, at the very least, informing them of what is about to come. Ultimately, though, the Midrash reminds us, advisors and associates are, are lovely for taking counsel, but the king is the king, 
and the king will decide either with or against their counsel. The next two Amoraim, Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, go in a totally different direction. Rabbi Ami said he took counsel with his own heart. It may be compared to a king who had a palace built by an architect. But when he saw it did not please him, with whom is he to be indignant? Surely with the architect. Similarly, and now the Midrash quotes a pasuk from Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and his heart was saddened or grieved. And the Midrash brings this in to Rabbi Ami, or Rabbi Ami brings it into his interpretation that God is grieved within his heart at the creation of Adam. Rabbi Ami now looks at our Pasuk about uh, God taking counsel and says God took counsel within God's self. And the part of God that God took counsel with was the heart, which of course represents emotion and love and at times irrationality. So there's a suggestion here that God takes counsel with almost an independent part of God's self, the irrational part, the emotional part. And then God comes to complain or be grieved about the action taken by this part of God. Again, very, very complex theologically, very interesting. Rabbi Asi says something similar. This may be compared to a king who did some business through an agent and suffered loss. With whom is he to be indignant? Surely with the agent. Similarly, and it grieved him at his heart. Again, quoting the same pasuk. And here too, both the architect and the agent are independent. They're independent beings, independent of the king. And so uh, this really... Um, reinforces this viewpoint in which God regrets the creation of mankind and kind of comes back into God's self and, and blames the part of God that insisted on creating such a flawed human being. So such a flawed cr- creation. And so really very, very interesting uh, midrash that the plurality of the text allows us to begin to consider who would God have taken counsel with. And one set of Amoraim say he took counsel with the works of the world that he has created up until this point. Again, I think it reinforces the impact we have on the world. And Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi talk about something within God had the need to create uh, human beings. But then when God regrets, God goes and takes issue with the part of God that insisted on this creation. We're now going to look at another um, another Midrash, number four, uh, different but no less startling um, approach to uh, God's insistence on creating human beings. Rabbi Brachia said, when the Holy One, blessed be he, came to create Adam, he saw righteous and wicked arising from him. Said he, if I create him, wicked men will spring from him. If I do not create him, how are the righteous to spring from him? What then did the Lord do? He removed the way of the wicked out of his sight and associated the quality of mercy with himself and created him as it is written. And now there's a proof text. For the Lord regards the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked toved, which means shall perish. And now the Midrashic author does a word play. What does Toved mean? He destroyed it, Ibda, from before his sight, and associated the quality of mercy with himself and created him. This really is is astonishing 
Because Rabbi said that when God first looks at what the uh, what the impact will be on the creation of Adam, God sees righteous and wicked human beings arising from this creation. And God says, if I create Adam, there will be wickedness. Evil will spring from this creature. But if I do not create Adam, what about righteous people? What about the acts of compassion and good, the tremendous potential human beings have to create, to, to do good in this world? And so God is in a, a, a deadlock. He sees the wicked, the potential evil and wickedness and the righteousness. And so what does God do? He tilts the balance. He removes evidence. He removes the way of the wicked out of his sight, says Rav Brachia. And this is achieved by this very, I think, lovely wordplay from a verse in Psalms, this wordplay from the verse that I read, God regards the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, Tobade. Tobade, God destroys from his vision the uh, the potential wickedness that will arise. So all that is left is the potential righteousness. And in addition, God deliberately uses the quality of mercy within God's self and creates human beings. And I think this ties in very nicely with Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, that what quality of God, who is the agent, who is the architect that essentially fosters the creation, push forwards the creation, the irrational creation of human beings it's the quality of compassion it's the quality of mercy within god and in the previous midrash it's almost an uh in uh, ancillary quality it's it's an external quality to god's self here it's very much an internal quality but uh it allows god to blind himself to the potential for wickedness again very very interesting that rabbi brafia says how am i going to explain the creation of uh human beings given the the evil, the wickedness, of course, will be Brachia, 4500 CE, in the aftermath of the destruction of the temple, the incredible cruelty and wickedness of the Roman Empire. And so uh, reflecting backwards on um, the history of mankind up until that point and, and wondering a very important question. Um, how did God do this? Rabbi Hanina, when the Midrash continues, did not say thus. But he said as follows, when God came to create Adam, he took counsel with the ministering angels, saying to them, let us make man. What shall his character be, asked they? Righteous men shall spring from him, he answered, as it is written. And here um, the proof text is the same proof text that Rabbi Brachia used. Which means the Lord made known the way of the righteous to the ministering angels. However, God did not make known the second half of the proof text, Vederech Rishaim Toved, and here uh, the Midrash continues in a similar way to Rabbi Brachia that, um, that God destroyed this knowledge from them. He revealed only that the righteous would, would arise. He essentially, uh, uh, you know, he rigs the vote, so to speak, so he consults with the ministering angels. He tells them about the potential righteousness, the goodness that human beings will uh, will impart to the world. And, of course, the ministering angels then vote with God to create. But the Midrash acknowledges that if God had only revealed that wickedness would spring from Adam, they never would have uh, uh, would have voted, and the midrash, the quality of justice would not have permitted him to be created. And so here the ministering angels uh, reflect virtues, and uh, the virtue of justice would have uh, essentially uh, 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 would have voted against and would have 
banned the creation of Adam. So both Rabbi Brachi and Rabbi Hanina actually show incredible theological daring in trying to get inside this process and suggesting that God, who recognized the potential for good alongside the potential for evil, so greatly desires uh, the relationship with human beings and the intensity, the intimacy, the complexity, the depth that that relationship uh, presents to God as um, God in search of man, man in search of God, and, and, and that space where they meet um, that God creates despite the irrationality uh, of, the, of the creation. Number five is a midrash I've taught many times. It's really one of my favorite midrashim in this series. Rabbi Shimon said, when the Holy One, blessed be he, came to create Adam, the ministering angels formed themselves into groups and parties. Some of them said, let Adam be created, while others urged, let Adam not be created. And thus it is written, and here the Midrashic author uses another proof text from Tehillim, Chesed ve'emet nifgashu, tzedek v'shalom, nashku. And uh, literally that means chesed and emet, so chesed, acts of compassion and truth um, met, and righteousness and peace, or justice and peace, um, nashku is really literally like kissed, joined in some sort of close embrace. And the way the Midrash reads it is the nifkashu and nashku are uh, uh, descriptions of warring, that nifkashu, that they, they fought, there was a uh, it, uh, interaction between Chesed and Emet in which there was uh, violence and Sedek and Shalom instead of Nashku which has within it Nishika or Kiss Nashku from Neshek from uh, ammunition from weaponry and they combated each other so the Midrash if I if I now pull that together reads as follows La, uh, Chesed and Emet uh, acts of compassion and truth fought together, righteousness and peace combated one another. And the reason that the Midrash reads it that way is because the Midrash suggests the ministering angels are these virtues. And there's this whole uh, conversation going up in heaven in which um, really we're going to see uh, it's very much split. Do we create humans? Don't we create humans? It really plays very nicely on the earlier Midrash in which God recognizes the potential for righteousness and the potential for evil that will come out of this creation side by side. And the virtues also recognize that as we're going to see. So Chesed said, let man be created, let Adam be created, because Adam will dispense acts of Chesed, meaning Animals don't really do acts of chesed to one another. Human beings have the capability of incredible acts of compassion, of love, of kindness. However, Emmet, truth said, are you kidding? Let Adam not be created because Adam is compounded of falsehood. Human beings are compounded of falsehood from the moment they're born. There is nothing redeeming, says truth. If I look at this from an objective perspective of Emmet, you can't create such a flawed creature. Righteousness, or really justice, Sedek, said, let Adam be created, because Adam will potentially perform acts of Sedek, which have both within it, right? Sedek is justice and Sedek is righteousness. So I'm going to read that as kind of a, 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 a in synergy, two words together, righteous justice, if you will. So Adam is capable of performing acts of Sedek, Sedekah, charity, something that uh, animals cannot do, trees cannot do, birds cannot do, and so on. And Shalom comes along. Peace says, let Adam not be created because man is full of strife. What did the Lord do? The Lord took truth 
and cast it to the ground, which, like the previous um, Midrash, shows God skewing the balance, rigging the vote, right? He takes truth, and now instead of two to two, he has two to one, because truth is no longer in the picture. I also feel it's very deliberate that God takes truth and casts it to the ground, maybe hoping if truth is down there on the ground, it will infuse this creation of Adam with something truthful, because truth will come out of the heaven down to the ground and be more prevalent, more present for the creation that God is about to create. And the ministering angels then protest before God and said, why do you despise your seal? They quote a pasuk, emet me'eretz titzmach. In other words, um, uh, emet, truth is your seal, God. And then God, then, then the Midrash continues, emet me'eretz titzmach. Sorry, I went a little bit out of order. And basically God then says, okay, let truth spring up from the earth, which reinforces my earlier reading that God doesn't return truth back to the heaven. He allows truth to spring up from the earth and then perhaps be more uh, prevalent and present in the world so that human beings can potentially access that virtue more, more easily. In the meantime, as the Midrash uh, continues, Rav Huna, the elder of Tsipori, said, while the ministering angels were arguing with each other and disputing with each other, the Holy One, blessed be he, created Adam. And that really is the explanation how we started in the plural. God said, let us create man, and then is, and God created in the singular, said God to them, what can you avail? Adam has already been made. So in this Midrash as well, uh, God takes counsel. God essentially ignores the counsel. God skews the balance. God uh, almost puts blinders on in God's um, uh, excitement or anticipation of what this uh, creation will mean for God's relationship with the world, God's relationship with human beings. Um, for lack of time, uh, I'm not going to continue on. There are many more Midrashim. I invite you to uh, to open up Genesis Rabbah and, and continue reading the Midrashim in the manner in which I have presented them, really digging in deep. However, what I want to just share, a few ideas that come up towards the end of the chapter, uh, there's a Midrash that talks about the plural, the let us make man, and that the Midrash says, well, the let us is really uh, in the future, that in our image after our likeness is reflective of what will happen after the creation, that essentially neither man without woman nor woman without man and neither of them without the divine spirit, it's future telling. That when God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, it's including the future creation of man and woman within the image of God and essentially perhaps reflecting what God hopes most what will happen after this creation that human beings are created in the divine image and that will create this covenantal relationship uh, that will uh, bring with it growth and engagement and connection with God and um, introduce essentially or bring out the divine into the world in the most powerful of ways. And and one of the last midrashim in the series really talks about the, uh, the 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 relationship or the comparison between human beings and animals and human beings and, and angels. And it goes through the various attributes. This is midrash eleven, uh, in which human beings are similar to animals and uh, ways in which equally equal amount of ways in which human beings are similar to angels. And I want to end with a midrash, not a midrash, I'm sorry, a mishnah in tractate avot. A kavya ben mahalal said, reflect on three things and you will not come within the power of sin. Know where you have come and where you are going, before whom you are destined to give account and reckoning, whence you have come from a putrefying drop, where you are going to a place of dust, worms, and maggots, 
and before whom you are destined to give account and reckoning, before Melech Malchem Kadosh Baruch Hu, before the Supreme King of Kings, the Holy One, blessed be He. And this is a, a Mishnah that's really said at funerals, um, and really uh, it's meant to be very reflective about the the finality or the uh, the temporality of life uh, that we all end up um, moving on to uh to from life to death however what i want to focus on is that we come from you know what the as the mishnah says in, in, in a very stark language a putrefying drop it's like about semen a place we're going to a place of dust but ultimately we are in direct relationship with the supreme king of kings and throughout our lives we as creatures as cre- cre- creatures or creation uh created in the image of god essentially are unique in having to give account and reckoning before the Supreme King. And, um, and I think that really ties together perhaps, um, the, the need God has for the flawed, uh, the, the flawed characteristics of human beings, because that essentially reflects their ability to choose, to grow, to, uh, to return, um, and renew their relationship with God and with one another. And with the advent of Breshit, we are officially post-Chagim, meaning the holidays are over and there is a return to routine. However, these Midrashim remind us that the spiritual work we undertook during the high holidays really continues throughout the year as we strive to connect to the divine image within each of us and reflect the best qualities that human beings are capable of. Thanks again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or subscribe at elmod.pardes.org. Be sure to tune in next week as Judy Klitzner discusses Parashat Noach. Thanks for listening.